You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join Sealing's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Own the Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming. In the past few weeks, we've been doing a bit of a giveaway, as you guys will know, of some of our resources. We did a guide to subcontract tendering, a guide to the JCT, even an EOT template. So if you're keen on getting those free documents, just check out the last few episodes in the podcast description. I'm going to continue doing it as it seems to be uh, something that's resonating. So this week, I have attached a um, or linked a template final account statement, a template risk register. And as always, as you have been already, just reach out and let me know what you think. I'm on paul at c-link.com. Anyway, on to today's show. So in the studio today, I am joined by a fellow podcaster. So I'm joined by Kean Brennan, who is Managing Director at Quantum Contract Solutions, a company giving contractual superpowers to construction companies i have everyone's attention instantly already don't i and kian is rimming from ear to ear with a smirk that says we're going to talk all about (laughs) contracts here which i'm looking forward to so today is a contract law focused um episode we're going to focus on like real life examples some tangible examples kian working with lots of different contractors loads of different and interesting examples but i'll stop talking now welcome to the show ian how you doing Kian? sorry (laughs) <laughs> Kian, I'm very good. Uh, it's nice to be in the show. Just to, to clarify a little bit, it's not legal, right? So the way I'd like to describe this commercial. commercial commercial is a good way to describe it. And for a lot of your listeners who are subcontractors or main contractors or GCs, wherever wherever in the world you are, whatever you call yourself, a lot of your guys will get a drawing that is <laughs> drawn by an architect or an engineer. And they will be able to interpret it perfectly, right? Depending, you know, if they're a, if they're a steel fabricator, if they're a civil co- uh, contractor, whatever it is, they can. You know your it. specialism. You know your specialist, but you can get a drawing and you you can go through that and understand it really, really well. And that's not easy. Your average Joe can't do that, right? They they yeah, look there's... at that. Yeah, there's a bit to it. I remember a first county. I remember my first project years ago. It was a skyscraper in Dublin, and it uh, it actually never got built. Right, really, and um, probably Couldn't because I, the drawings. Probably because <laughs> I, I I measured it wrong. Right, but um, I remember even at the time getting like confused. This elevation, oh, what's it around? I remember, I remember going oh, t- like it's trying to get my head around. It wasn't easy, and so it's not easy. Uh, but the people listening to this podcast can do it very very well. Mm-hmm. And so my thesis on this is that the contract is just another document, except this time it's drawn up by a lawyer. And just like everything else, it's part of the game and the game of construction. <clears throat> and it's just another document that you need to interpret. So you need to be able to understand it the same as the other ones, because this particular document is the one that costs you the most amount of money if you get it wrong. It's the one that that matters in some respect. I was going to say to you, you know, when you said that, I was going to say, yeah, but it's even more difficult, isn't it? Because it changes on every project. But so do the drawings, so do the spec. Everything changes on every project, right? The Mm. truth is that I guess at least with a lot of construction drawings, the standards, the material choices stay the same. 
Construction contracts seem to evolve a lot. We're going to talk later about how much they get amended and so on, right? Which is part of the challenge. But I actually really like the way that that will frame it in a lot of people's minds. I know how to do technical drawings and it's not something you just wake up and can do, right? Same with contracts. And that's kind of, let's talk then about your construction journey and your business today, because is that kind of the thesis that you take into your business? Yeah, yeah. So we 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 help construction companies basically negotiate better contracts in the pre-award phase. And in the post-award phase, we have to comply with the contract. But really what we're trying to do is boost their cash flow and protect their margins. So that's the the kind of end-to-end. And so when we look at the contract, a lot of times it's a combination between being contractual, being professional, how to approach things in a really professional way that maintains a relationship, but also using relationships to your advantage. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been on a call with one, you know, with with a construction company. And, you know, being Irish, we talked about this before. I I seem to have, I am allowed to curse a little bit, right? And my category. I've got an Irish passport, so I'm going to swear as well. Yeah. My categorization of the issue is you're effed. Right, I'm not going to curse on on your podcast, but you're <laughs> f you're f here contractually. Okay. That doesn't mean, but that doesn't mean it's over. Mm. It just means we can't rely on the contract, and we need to approach it a different way. So that's how we like to approach the business. It's about getting an outcome, getting paid, getting mm. stuff approved, um, and taking a different look at you know the contractual landscape and what it actually means and what actually matters and what actually doesn't. What is just noise. And what's your background though? Like why, what, how did you arrive to the point where you thought, right, I'm going to, this is what I want to champion quantum contract solution. I'm going to set it up and this is where I'm going to stick my flag in the ground. Why? So my, my background is client side. So Are you a QS? A Q, QS originally. So oh, construction, yeah. Mm. QS, QS We're alike. Yes. <laughs> um, did some further studies, but essentially QS, right? Brick counter. I went client side for almost all of my Ooh. career mm. <laughs> almost all of so my you career were, you were mean you know how bad these contracts can be right yeah a hundred percent but i remember sitting so so often right and i was is in around australia in the middle east ireland us and the problem was over and over and over again subcontractors contractors were going out of business or not getting paid what they should get paid. And more often, it wasn't that they didn't do the work, is that they contractually, they were awful. They would submit mm. absolute rubbish EOTs. I mean, you, you at your intro there, you were giving some good templates, right? So yeah. guys, download those, those templates for sure, right? <laughs> because what a lot of people don't understand is like in my situation, I don't not want to approve something. I don't care. I want to approve that, you know, I want to give the money to the subcontractor. But do you? In, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay. But in all of these companies now, and even in small main contractors, technology is trickled down and all of these guys have decent corporate governance. Mm-hmm. And there will be a box that needs to be ticked. <clears throat> That says, yeah. did they comply with the contract or not? Did they submit their Where's notice? Where's the as-built program? Where's this? Where's that? Where's the other? Didn't no. happen. Can't do it. Didn't happen. Can't do it. Because what you, what they, people need to realize, I have to take your document that you submitted, right? And let's be honest. If it's bad, I have to take your shitty document, turn around, it and either jazz it up and then either present it to a contracts committee internally or present it to a director of the project, mm-hmm. and he's going to go, "Are you kidding me?" 
Like, where's this? Where's this? Where's this? And so that's the mindset shift that you have to take that you've got to do the paperwork, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Because and I, I mean, you, that's sure. the mentality that you're trying to bring to the to your business and it's to upskill the way subcontractors or all contractors it's navigate it, it, contracts. Yeah, it would mainly be subcontractors. So it is showing okay. those guys, okay, I know how to work the insides of these companies. And so here's how you need to do it. And then we, I'm looking I'm looking forward to this because I'm an ex subby so you can tell me all the reasons why I went wrong. Can I go back though to one one thing that you said there? Sure. Because I want to hone in on it. Now you were client size, but you said I want to pay you the money for this <laughs> EOT an example. Is that I mean, don't take this the wrong way because I'm no longer in projects. I've mm-hmm. got software company where we see clients, main contractors, subcontractors interact and my perception of how I interacted is now, you know, yeah, you know, it's all theory, isn't it? It's none of Mm -hmm. the challenges of the day-to-day, the challenges Mm -hmm. of the budget where Mm -hmm. we all talk the talk. Mm -hmm. Did you wholeheartedly believe what you're saying there of, you know, I I want to pay you, but if you can't give me the documentation, I can't do it. Or is it more, because my my feeling as a subcontractor was the absolute minimum I have to do is be perfect with documentation to even be in the consideration of getting my money. That's how I always felt. Do you mm-hmm. see what I mean about the subtle difference? How does that yeah. make you feel? Uh, that's interesting. And there's a few different things, right? So, okay, we're talking about a QS on QS sort of arrangement, right? Mm. So in that scenario, when I'm a QS and they're like there's a QS, I, I do genuinely believe I don't not want to pay you. There's no, okay. it, it, there's nothing there, right? If it is a PM to PM sort of arrangement, that's different. Okay, and that is mo- that is more often than not, right? Because a QS is is both QSs are going to be able to talk numbers, and and if the numbers are agreed, well then let's get it going. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's a number problem, right? Do we yeah. agree over numbers? And then so if we agree on numbers, we're pretty good to go, right? Are you contractually compliant? Yes. Okay, so we're pretty good. However, with a PM, a lot of times <clears throat> the PM is covering up stuff. He's messed up. You reckon, right? uh, you know what? I reckon there's going to be a lot of PMs who are thinking it's the other way around. I used to QS to mess it up. No, but the, 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 client's, the client's PM in, it hasn't done what he's supposed to do. And he's okay. got you to do extra work, right? And so mm-hmm. now you're starting to submit these variations in EOTs that are his fault. And then now he has to turn around and present yeah. these things internally. And he doesn't want to do that because they're his fault. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. by doing that, you're making him look bad. And so that's that's where he doesn't want to do that. And that's why sometimes you get this weird little lack of communication <clears throat> between the PM is not passing anything up the line whatsoever. And it's because he's trying to protect himself. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, that makes that makes sense. It's uh either way, whichever way you look at it, whoever you consider as a stakeholder, the transaction of money more and more is bound by the contracts and less by handshakes and all the projects that i was involved in you've got to get things right the paperwork's got to be there and mm. you know you hear people say oh it's not like it used to be you know like the slightly older generation and perhaps it mm. isn't but mm-hmm. this is the world that we're now operating in. so i completely understand the thesis of your business and completely support that thesis as well because too often subcontractors get 
the short end of the stick. And that's largely because their resource is not the resource of whoever they're going after. It's kind of like a tier system down, isn't it? At the bottom, you have less resource, you have less understanding, you have to take what the the medicine that you're given to some extent. So all four changing that. Anyway, oh, go on, sorry. Well, conversely on that, you have the least resources, but in the contractual hierarchy... Assuming that we're not just talking standard contracts, you actually have you actually have the most aggressive contract because the contract between the principal and the main contractor or GC is going to be, you know, they'll have lawyers on both sides and they'll have agreed a yeah. contract. But the contract between the main contractor and the subbies, they're going to push risk down the way. So you got the worst contract in the chain and you probably got the least resources to be able to understand what you're doing. So the time bar is... Time bars will be the shortest. So you like it, you, you actually need the most help. And you more often than not, most subcontractors have the way they operate their paperwork is they're going to have their project manager doing it as a side hustle to their regular job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Final question before we're going to dive into an example. Why do you want to help subcontractors considering you're a client QS originally? What what was the shift in the mentality? Two, two things. One is my granddad was a contractor back in okay. the day. And uh, when he died, the newspaper said the man who built Galway. And so... Really? Yeah, it did. And, uh, is that where you're be- from? Galway? Yes, yes. I'm from Galway. I'm going Westerra. there in two weeks for the oh. first time. And I cannot wait. Oh, you're going to love it. You're gonna, it, it is yeah. a great it's a great town. Um, I'm told, yeah. Yeah, if you, particularly if you like a couple of drinks as well. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so... It got to the stage where I'm like, these guys are going out of business, they're losing money, and I was starting to feel like I, this. I'm not do like my job now is saying no and rejecting invoices for these guys, and I don't I don't feel right about it. And I I now yeah. know how to help them because yeah. that was that was the first thing, and the second thing is I, and even more so now, can subbies and you were a subby, right? Mm-hmm. Subbies only guys that actually do construction. And know how it's done. No, no, not even know how it's done. The only they're in the chain. No one else builds anything. Yeah, yeah. Right. The the principal is is paying for the thing. The main contractor is a finance company. He gets a, he wins the project. He gets a loan, and he gets paid by the the principal. And he subcontracts it, and he makes money on the delta. Very Bit of a management. Ve- yeah, yeah. Very, very often. Very sorry. Very, very, very minimally will they ever do any construction work themselves. They'll sub mm-hmm. everything Agreed. out. So, so subcontractors are actually the only guys that do the actual work. So they're like the bees of the of the world. They're the guys you know. All of a sudden, the bees get knocked off, knocked off. Right then, we're all in trouble because there's nothing's going to be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You're so, 100% talking my language here, mate. 100%. Go on. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're really the two reasons I, I have a passion okay. as well. And also because the type of person that is a subcontractor is my type of person as well, in that they're typically someone who is really good at something and has grown a big business out of it and mm-hmm. um, commercially savvy, ground up entrepreneurial and you know ceos of these companies managing directors of these companies are probably the only guys in most industries when you look at ceos and managing directors only guys who have actually gotten their hands dirty like literally dirty right ceos of of other companies in like tech or whatever they'll 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 do a management degree they'll do a master's degree and they'll be brought in at a high level and maybe have never yeah, at C-suite. Maybe never have worked below, but in I construction is different. You're, te- you're, t- you're literally repeating many of the things that I talk about 
a lot of the time in very many in very different circumstances to this conversation but you know construction technology and we're completely going off topic here but there are a lot of construction technology companies who are founded or directed by people who don't understand the problems that you face on the ground on a construction project and too often that means that we kind of feel detached from a lot of the software that we use you know construction technology is slow on its uptake in comparison to other sectors i think that's one of the main main problems and um interesting is that you said a lot of things that i'm agreeing with here kian and we haven't even got into the topic of the show so today what i wanted to do with you is and i will share um kian's podcast in the description everyone should go and check it out i've been listening to it and getting great value from it very contract focused as you can imagine or commercially focused as uh you probably prefer me to refer to it as i want to talk about for the next part of the show a specific case study in inverted commas that you talked about on one of your shows and that was so you recently talked about a client of yours who is a contractor and they had a dispute about an element of scope that was in their contracts or as they perceived it was not in their contracts their client instructed them to do the work and the contractor and this resonates with my life as a subcontractor how often would it be that you would say that element of scope is not in our contract and your client would say yeah it is and you would say no it isn't for all of these reasons they said no i think it is for all these reasons Mm -hmm. and then the contract itself says well i can instruct you to do whatever i want you to do anyway so i'm going to instruct you to do that and then we'll talk about whether or not we're going to pay you for it even though in the context of what has gone before is i'm never going to pay for you for it because i believe i already have paid you for it so it reminds me of my life as a subby and you were talking about it and it resonated with me hugely. Could you just explain in better terms exactly what happened? I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, right. it happens so to me it, all the time. <laughs> so it, it's a, it's about tackling the problem, right? So let's just go into it. And in the first instance, there will be a clause in the contract that says you need to go ahead with the work. Time is of the essence and mm-hmm. we'll work out the costs after. That's yeah. the problem. That's the fundamental problem. So... The first thing in catching that fundamental problem is going is going into the contract and negotiating that out and saying, no, nah, no, nah, we're not doing that. We'll negotiate. We'll give you a price within X amount of days. Like we'll be really quick with our price and you got to approve it really quickly and then we'll go and do it. That's what, that's what yeah. you want in the contract because then if they're not playing ball, you, you, can, you don't have to do anything because you've got no, no approved mm-hmm. variation. So that's the first way to solve the problem. But let's say you haven't been able to to handle it or it's in it's in your contract for whatever reason. Yeah. So that now we're in we're in trouble, okay? Yeah, so we're in the mire. We're in it. Help. So so the way to 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 broach this subject is is again it's about is is Pavlov's dog. Okay. okay. So when I'm talking about contract, I'm not I, I always say it's not just contractual, it's it's about strategy, right? So Pavlov's dog, okay. So you might be tempted to roll up a load of variations into one variation and not submit many variations. That's what a lot of people are asked to do a lot of times, but it's not the best thing to do. You're better off every time you get asked to do additional work, submitting a variation very, very quickly or change order, whatever it's called, right? Change order variation quickly. And then what you can do then is you can start seeing how long it's taking them to approve the variations or not. 
And so it's going to be taking long in my experience. It's going to be months. Okay. So, but so this is the thing, right? So the first time it happens, you need to be on the case. Has mm-hmm. doesn't get approved. Why isn't our variation approved? We need to get it approved. Oh, sorry, there's another thing in the contract. Assessment periods. If you can yeah. negotiate in assessment period for a variation, that will also help. Okay. Mm-hmm. But so, okay. So let's just say, okay, it's it's going on. They're not they're not approving it, or they have approved it, and you've now kicked up a bit of a fuss to say, hey, we need you to <clears> approve <throat> the variations. But if they're no longer approving variations, and so the big problem we have is that you're going to be asked to do something, and you know this is going to cost me a lot of money. And I'm never getting paid. And I'm never getting paid, right? Uh, or, or, or I may not be getting paid. I'm never getting paid. Let's stick with that. <laughs> let's just let's just stick with you're never getting paid. So, so what? So, so what do you do, right? Because you have to go ahead with it. Like, so what, you have to go ahead. Okay. So, and but then you also there's also a bit of another issue as well as you have original scope that you need to complete. And so this mm. is this is definitely going to go in on top of it, and this actually might delay you delivering on the original scope, which is another issue that always happens. You get all this additional work that maybe you don't get a a, a, a variation for an extension of time for, and then it now looks like your original scope is late as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you're going to be risk getting hit with liquidated damages on the original scope, which is not fair yeah. because you've been asked to do all this additional stuff, right? So. In that scenario, okay, so one is you uh, ideally you want to be doing the Pavlov's dog, making sure that every time they you you uh, they ask you to do something, you get a variation in very quickly, and hopefully you're training them to approve the variations quickly. That's what you want to be doing, or kicking up stink every single time, because then you'll know if they ask you to do something big like this. Let's so let's just say they've been slow the whole time, they haven't paid you, and it's been really really bad, and then you know you've got this big one. Right. And you're okay. This is a big one. They're not going to pay me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, what do you do? Right. It's a tricky one. Right. And you just do like you you do a nurse's strike. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, what I mean by a nurse's strike, you do a go slow and you just say, So, this is it. You go, Yeah, I'm doing it. Absolutely. I'm doing it. And every time they ask you, Yeah, I'm doing it. It's just right down the bottom of your pecking order. They can't tell you. But then they're like, This is part of your scope. Yeah, and, and you're late. You're late. So what? But now, you're hold, doing hold on. But, now, but then they're saying this is part of your scope. So now we have a scope argument. Now you know you're not getting approved for the variation. So that's it. Okay. The variation is gone, right? Mm-hmm. But if they're saying no, we need it. And you go, yeah, you just get that variation approved. I've submitted my variation. Get approved. We 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 have. It's like we're working on it in the background. We still have all of this mm-hmm. original scope to do. And so now you're putting. They know very well that you haven't. They need to approve the variation for you to do the work. Okay. The yeah, only yeah. Go on, shoot, shoot, shoot. No, it's difficult. I, I, I reflect on moments in time on projects where the issue comes up. This is in your scope. No, it's not in my scope. This is in your scope. No, it's not in my scope. Blah blah blah. It ends up a week later, and they say, "There's the instruction. Now it is in your scope." In inverted commas, right? You then say, "No, this is a variation. Price it." They say. Just carry on. We'll talk about it. And you say, no, I want you to pay me now because that's not in my scope. Eventually, it comes back out. That isn't in your scope. We're not going to pay you. But you've, you're now, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks into the mm-hmm. instructed period. And then it's a nightmare situation. I feel it happened to me so many times. But so so it's it's there's, there's the contractual thing and there's spending money. And so yeah. just to keep it very simple, you want to spend as little amount of money as you can. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of scenario when 
you're in a situation where you it looks like the main contractor might be going out of business. You're hearing some stuff about insolvencies or not yeah. paying other contractors. What do you do? You just stop spending money. You have to mm. you have to look after yourself. Yeah. You can get it's it's more important in, in this in this scenario where let's just say the variation they're asking you is 50, 100, ha- half a million dollars or euros or pounds. pounds come on, pounds, mate. Forget pounds, the euros and the dollar. Whatever, <laughs> pounds, right? So this is this is a, a discussion you're gonna have to have internally about it. So if you spend that five hundred grand, you know you're not gonna get paid. Well, then you can do the do the nurse's strike where you say, Okay, look, yeah, yeah. we're going we're going ahead with it and we're just we're, uh, we don't say you just do a go slow. And yeah, see, slow. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. However, I start going slow mm-hmm. and they start saying, you're going slow, you're, cool, you're delayed. I was a, a curtain warning cladding. I was always on the critical path. They mm-hmm. say, oh, you're going slow now, and which means that the M&E isn't starting now in zone X. Northern's right line. We're now a couple of weeks late on that. And this is all in your scope under that item. And well, so is program. it in my scope? Oh, and now we're back again. Is it in my scope or is it a variation? You've just asked, you've, you've, you've issued well, me it's with on, it's on ele- It's on the east elevation. It mm. says this in the scope loosely. I'm not going to say that as a main drive, but it says that in the scope. And yeah, we believe it's in your scope. And now th- that east elevation bar on your program, you're late on it, which means that, look, this M&E contractor, this dry lining contractor, and all the follow-on trades are now late as well. So why, yeah, they, to, why are they giving you this instruction then? Shouldn't you have just you been refused, going ahead? Because you refuse to go ahead with no, your you own work. You refuse to go ahead. With your own you 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 have a lot in the strategy. Johnson, you have a lot more. You're you're right. This would be an argument that you would you would have, yeah. but you have I've a lot heard. more. Yeah. You've, yeah, you've had and heard. But it, when you're sitting down at the table, you can be, you can be sitting down at the table having spent five hundred grand. Or you can be sitting there I agree with that. having yeah. having not spent five hundred grand and being told, so, okay, you need to go ahead. Right? That makes that makes perfect sense, right? Okay. So you don't want to be the person who sat at that table six months later, half a million pounds poorer. You yeah. want to be the person who is sat at that table having spent a tenner and you're three weeks late, right? In my in our that working example. So now let's imagine we are sat at that table and this is where it gets really, it's tough already, but this gets really tough, right? So I'm now, I'm the main contractor, you're the subcontractor, right? I then say, all right, yeah, we've called each other's bluff. It's not a variation. And I'm going to start causing all kinds of other problems if you don't get on with your work because you're causing delays to everyone else. You're sat there having spent a tenner. Now what? Because now it's getting really tough. Okay. So now, okay, well, this is it going to absolute shit right <laughs> yeah. more more yeah, often yeah. than not more often it would have reached a point they're like you need to go ahead and do it and you're like well give us the variation and we'll do it okay right and then yeah, and yeah. then at that stage you would you would escalate it to pass the pms to it to a senior manager okay we'll do it and they'll they'll strike an agreement i'm That's... going full-on apocalypse here though kid. right there is no way i was on batsy power station as carillion were going <laughs> out of business so i've been on a bad job yeah no offense to batsy power station <laughs> no no so it, if you have like I would hope I would hope and if if you had good people in 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 house or or company like ours you would have all your paper <laughs> you would have a pay all your paperwork in place yeah. and contractually you would be covered and you would yeah. have a very reasonable argument to say that is not in our scope one we it was not like you could say it was not it wasn't price we told you clearly it wasn't in your scope you've now given mm-hmm. me instruction which leads us to believe that you also now believe that it wasn't in our in our in in our scope as well 
they could, they'll have another argument, right? But anyway, at the end of the day, you've not spent the 500 grand. And that's the problem. It makes you, perfect you, sense. It's the leverage that matters, right? Yeah. Um, and that and that's that's the, the kind of the strategy at the end of the day. Okay. But you, yeah, you no, tell, that makes yeah, go on. No, go on. Yeah, yeah but you're 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 saying you're still saying to him, yeah, look, we're we're working on it, we're like we're moving it, you know, we've got that variation into you guys or the cost estimate. If you just approve it, we'll get back to you and then they'll understand what's going on and more often than not it gets worked out yeah and i I guess so then go and sit in let's sit now in your shoes right Mm -hmm. where you were the client side right and you've got this issue you've got someone saying that that's that's a check you you look at your you look at the job and you think oh no we've got a bit of a scope gap there we didn't put zone x into anyone's package what we're going to do discussion i'm guessing i've never been in these discussions i was always a mere little subcontractor myself but i'm guessing that is like right okay where do we put this let's put it into subcontractor a's package should we see if we can get away with not paying it yeah let's try i'm guessing this is on some jobs what's happening you're smirking from here to here but this is my feeling as a subcontractor you think how has this ended up and they say yeah we're going to instruct you but i guess I like in that situation, I actually say, Oh, we've got 10 grand for it, but let's see if we can get away with it. And then, so eventually, if you're set, if you're going slow, kind of twiddling your thumbs and say, There's my quote for 15 grand, eventually they're going to be like, Oh, God, we do need to do it because we've got the ME and the dry liners. Yeah. Let's just pay it. And yeah. you've, you've, you win that battle. And that makes perfect sense to me. I've been in some jobs which have been toxic at times mm. for many different reasons where, even it would go all the way, honestly, Kim, where you'd, you'd end up just almost in a situation where you think this is impossible. I've done everything. I've documented everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've done all of these things, but still the contract says they can instruct me to do whatever they want to do. And mm-hmm. it was infuriating for me because it didn't matter how perfect you were. It mm-hmm. didn't matter if you go slow, you did all the things right. You would still feel like you had that gun to your head of, if you don't, then you're screwed either way. So here's a, a kind of a, a belief shift and a mindset shift in first for subcontractors in general. I think it's really, really important. The biggest, think of the biggest subcontractors in, in the first place. They, the biggest subcontractors are very contractual. They, mm. they are. And in the landscape that we're in, where it used to be all about relationships, it's not as much about relationships. Of course, it still is relationship-based. If you want to be if you want to be seen as professional and you want to be respected and have a good reputation, you don't get that from rolling over and doing what you're told nonstop. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Yeah. And so it actually is push being able to push back. But like there's a lot of assumptions in like in like you need to be delivering on everything else. Right. Yeah. If you're can't if just you, be contractual. Yeah. If you are, yeah. If you are not delivering and you are crap, and we're talking about this little thing here, and you legitimately haven't done the work, and then we're you're trying <laughs> to employ this this strategy, well, then it's not going to work. But if you're delivering elsewhere, you got contractually all your ducks are in a row el- elsewhere, and you're you're coming to the table, you know, and you're being strong, they're going to respect you for it. They're going to. You're I actually, completely agree. They're actually going to have confidence that you know what you're doing. I, I guarantee you. They're just like, oh no. The no, trouble no. is. Yeah. Almost every subcontractor that I know, no matter how big or small, wants to crack on and get stuff done. They don't want to skimp and hardly do anything. Almost all of them are specialists, take pride in the work that they do and want to add to the project, not subtract. But too often you find yourself in the mire of these issues that makes you feel like I've got to get 
you know, really in the dirt of these contractual things, which I'm not even that bothered about. I just want to get done. I want to do my work that you asked me to do, get paid for it and, and move on and help you in your project. But I'll tell you what, this show is already very long, the first half. I want to talk to you about a second point in the second half of the show and actually just touch on being contractual in inverted commas. But we'll do that right after this break. Hello, it's me again. I wanted to share a quick story with you on why I co-founded Sealink with my best mate Chris. Chris and I, we're both QSs, and this is going to sound sad, but one night we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering and we realised the industry had a problem. Number one, procurement was too paper-based. Number two, it was too time-consuming and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link. It's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you, or someone you know, tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link, www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. So, Kian, you're taking me all the way back to some painful, painful times in my life. <laughs> Thinking about getting given instructions, knowing I wasn't going to get paid. But it's all good stuff. I'm pretty sure people listening to the first half of that show will be thinking... Yeah, I've been in that position and I now have lots of different strategies, really, or mindsets to change it next time it does happen, which is great. Mm. Can did I you, ask, did you, sorry, can I, did you say you used to be a noise wall contractor? Is that what it is? Curtain wall. Curtain wall. Okay. Not yeah. uh, not not not, uh, not the same, but not un- unsimilar. Can yeah, I tell so you, uh, build the envelope. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you a little story about a noise wall contractor? So I, I first had a client, uh, he's, he's still a client now, uh, about three years ago, he was the CEO of a noise wall contract. So noise walls are like the walls on the side of a, a highway, freeway, motorway, okay. right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So those big walls, it's just still the same same thing, right? It's just, it, it's soundproof. Come on, don't demean curtain wall quite that much, but all right, <laughs> I'll roll with you. <laughs> okay. And we, he was saying to me, I don't want to look, I don't want to look contractual. And I was like, I, I trust me, it's just a game. Right. They're going to give you <laughs> they're going to give you their worst contract. They're expecting you to negotiate. And he was like, no, no, no. And I was like, OK, he goes, well, I have a new client and uh, I have existing clients. OK, what is your existing client? You do you, you do. How about I take the new client and I try and negotiate a contract for you? And so what I explained to him is if five people are bidding for work and four people try to negotiate the terms and one doesn't, they don't look at you. And think that you're easy to do it. They look at yeah, you. And yeah. think, they look. Oh, this guy hasn't a clue what he's talking mm. about, right? It's a and, bit. It's a bit like five prices and one is twenty percent less. You think exactly mm, something that's is a, up there. That's exactly right. And so we did it for him, and the response from it, we we negotiated, went over and back, and we like we we got a, a good a good deal in the end. But their comment was, "Thank you for doing that. It gave us confidence that you knew what you were doing, right?" Well, being contractual in inverted commas. Being contractual, and and so even though you were you you've now you you look more professional, and you've actually signed a contract that had like about eighty two percent less risk. 
<laughs> about 82 <laughs> percent. so that, just touching on that point though right so mm-hmm. you are someone who has gone from client side to subcontract side with many different subcontractors who you now represent mm-hmm. that phrase you're being too contractual or m- maybe it's like just thinking about what your client was saying there oh i don't want to i don't want to appear contractual mm-hmm. that phrase that's definitely a phrase that came from main contractors and clients. Like, oh, you're being contractual. That subcontractors then like, oh, I don't mm. want to be that because there's some perception that mm. being contractual is a bad thing. Can you recall at any moment on any project that you were working on that you said to someone, you're being a bit contractual? No. Not a really? single time. Not a single time. E- everything was, you've not complied with the contract. That's yeah okay, and so what does it? What does the phrase "you're being too contractual" mean to you? It's the only, in my view, and what I've only heard is it the subby saying, "Oh, I'm worried about being too contractual or appearing too contractual or or appearing because we've heard it." Mm. But yeah, they're appearing difficult. Yeah, that's what it means, doesn't it? It's like don't want to seem like you're being Mm. too contractual, being difficult. But we've I've heard it from main contractors saying it to subcontractors many, mm-hmm. many times. And yeah, I, but it is a sub subby mindset, isn't it? Oh, I don't want to, mm. I don't want to appear to be. Yeah. But is it, do you, do you perceive it to be, it's going back to that, that example of five prices. One of them is 20% less. Mm-hmm. Looks ridiculous. Do you perceive it as client main contractor as a weakness or a strength in a contractor? In, in a, in a subby? In a subby, sorry. Yeah. yeah. If they're if they're contractual, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a strength if they're contractual. You really think that, yeah, a hundred percent. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the, all things considered, okay, there's the, all things considered. If you're contractual, you will be more profitable, okay, yeah. without a doubt. The biggest subbies out there in, in are, are contractual. I can a hundred percent. So they're making more money per project. I'm absolutely sure of that you make more money per project. You're able to buy better equipment. You're better to hire better people. You deliver a better service. Mm-hmm. Your reputation goes up because you're delivering a better service. Okay. You get into this virtuous yeah. cycle and they're like, oh, well, yeah, they are contractual, but they are good. They know and what they're doing. If yeah. I'm a main contractor, I actually kind of need a quite contractual subcontractor who's going to help me to make all of my variation and claims stronger and better up the line right um because it all feeds into that how often a main contractor is like can you give me this information because i need to put it in my claim or i need to put it in my variation and Mm -hmm. a weak uh in inverted commas contractually subcontractor or commercially weak uh subcontractor isn't gonna be able to give it that so i think that being contractual is not a bad thing it's got a bad rep perhaps more for subcontractors in their minds but it's It's, not a bad thing is it it's how you do it it's how you do it. Okay, so let me give you some bad examples, right? So, uh, not Warren Buffett. Who's Warren Buffett's number two? Can't remember his name. Uh, he's got the big glasses on. But anyway, he he had this um, terminology called uh, inversion thinking. When I, if you want to figure something complicated out, figure out how to ruin something and then flip it, yeah. right? So, yeah. if we wanted to do it really badly, I this is how I do it really badly. I would I wouldn't at, at bidding <laughs> at bidding time when they've asked you to submit your departures or your clarifications. I wouldn't do it then. Yeah. Right. We want to wait until they're just about to award the contract before we try and negotiate the contract. Because that really piss him off because it's going to delay it by two or three weeks. He's just about to award a contract and then you try and negotiate it. Get a lawyer to do it and send in loads of clarifications. 
most of which don't even matter to your company. Right. Those just changing words for the same. Like we're talking 30, 40 of them. Right. Really mm-hmm. just do that. Right. Then on the project, don't be contractual at all. Don't be contractual. And then when things start to go wrong, all of a sudden get really ramp contractual, it ramp, it, ramp yeah. it up. And then that that is the classic way. And so many companies do that. That's how to do it completely wrong. Right. How should you do it? How should you do it? You should do it at bidding stage. Or mm-hmm. if, you, if you've just been offered a contract, okay, that's a little bit different, right? But at bidding stage, and you just want to do the least amount of the clarifications that give you the biggest bang for buck, the biggest risk yeah. reduction that are specific to your company. And the, the way you want to phrase them is kind of semi-submissive. And you got to explain them. Right. This doesn't this doesn't apply to me or this isn't work. This this is against our commercial principles. What of do you mean com- submissive, semi-submissive? Yeah, I know. It's like I'm just a lowly subby, you know, I'm suggesting <laughs> to do this, right? You don't want to demand I this needs to be taken out. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. That, I recommend that, for the sake of the project, do this. Exactly. Put this risk elsewhere. It's not Ex- for me to manage. Exactly. Yeah. And then say, look, you know, or I, you know, I need a, I need longer payment terms for our cash flow because you want us to buy this equipment up front. Shorter but, payment terms. Sure. I don't want longer sorry, payment. Of course. Sorry. Shorter. <laughs> longer. Yeah, He's shorter got his client's hat on, guys. <laughs> we busted him. No. So anyway, do you want to explain it? It's over. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to explain it so their, their contracts administrator, contracts person who's doing it can easily understand and go, yeah, okay, mm. that's fair. That's fair. That's what you want to do. And yeah. so, and then you want to start contractual, start submitting the notices from the very start. Then you'll look professional. They're like, yeah. oh, these guys are on top of it. And then you build, and then as you go through the project and uh, you're building up a body of evidence for what we call squeaky bum time, which is Alex Ferguson um, yeah. uh, quote, where that final 15 minutes of a football game where people are shifting around in the plastic seats, that's when it matters. <laughs> and so that's when all of the the disputes come in. And so all you're doing the whole way through the project, when you're submitting in your notices, when you're submitting your variations, your ERTs, even if they're small ones and you're getting them in, you're getting them in, you're just protecting yourself for that final quarter so that when the thing goes wrong, when the main contractor goes, oh shit, I'm losing money. I need to save money. How can I go around saving money? Maybe we're bringing a closeout team. Relationships go missing. That you're like, you're covered. They look at you and go, oh, too much much hassle with those guys. I think you've hit the nail on the head, right? Uh, Like the squeaky bum time analogy, a bit of football in there. Why not? But the job starts going badly wrong. You're 90% through. The main contractor is busy looking at their budget and starting to shit themselves, for want of a better phrase. And they think, right, where can we make cost savings? How are we going to make this stack up? And they look around at the five con- subcontractors that they procured and they look at you and they go, crikey, they've got some good documents, haven't they? Let's not look at them. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just give them what they want because they've done what they need to do. So again, being contractual in inverted commas for the listener is not something that you shouldn't do. It's something that you should do because it completely and utterly protects you. And it's that perception of who you are as a business. And as you say, if you're being contractual and doing a terrible job on site operationally, you're going to have a problem. But if you're doing, if you're being contractual alongside being who you are on site and delivering on site, you aren't going to have a problem, right? No one's, no main contractor is going to come to you and start attacking you for being contractual if you're delivering on your promises, right? So that's right. By all accounts, but, be contractual, right? Well, I, I just be professional. When you're asked to update drawings, 
and document registers and whatever it is, right? You're, I'm sure you're on top of that. I hope you're on top of that, right? Yeah. This is it. It's just, it's just you're interpreting a different document that says as it's got a set of rules. If you've been delayed, if you think you've been asked to do additional work, you have to notify us. Mm. So you just, you just and also, also, by the way, I'm not being contractual. I'm following the document that you that you wrote and made me sign, which said I had to do that on this date. So here's my document. So okay. all I'm doing to be contractual is following what you've told me, right? And then a, li- a little, uh, I wouldn't say it's a sneaky tip. It's a good tip. Is that if I send you, Paul, a notice to Paul, right? In a letter, <laughs> right? Yeah. Handwritten I'm notes, already right? nervous. <laughs> right? To Paul, right? In a letter, you know, we've been delayed, blah, blah, blah. It's going to cost us, blah, blah, blah. And I send it from me to you. That's like, that's poking the bear unnecessarily. Mm. Okay. And I, I, why don't you just submit a memo style? from a doc control into their doc control, referencing Paul Hemming. Just go, it goes in, it's submitted, it's done. You've done what you're, you've been asked to do. It's submitted in the in a way that's not going to, it's a, it's a memo you're style. Taunting me. No, it's not a letter. No. I'm not, I'm not okay. trying to poke you. And that's the better way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely. And I mean, we could, I feel like we could talk for hours to be honest with you. And there's so, and there's so much, to cover, which is which is great. I wanted to talk to you briefly about delay and extension of time. We've already kind of talked about it throughout. For we, we've we've done a few episodes on the topic where it's about that professionalism throughout the process is what allows you to submit extensions of time successfully, get your EOT paid, get get your extension to the time. Could you just talk about how you advise your clients? on the topic of delay and eventually extensions of time. So with delay there, I I don't mind. I just give you our strategy is again, it's Pavlov's dog. We're trying to train the client. And so I would suggest submitting delay notices that say, hi, Paul, we went to site today and there, uh, we didn't have access to where we're supposed to go. So what I did instead was I put my guys over here and we worked on this particular thing. There was no cost or time impact to you. Just letting you know, because I'm supposed to under the contract, right? Best endeavors. Best endeavors. No cost or time. So we submitted that, reads that, no problem. Submit that, reads that, no problem. Submitted. Oh, this time we actually couldn't redeploy them. And therefore there has been a delay. So that's how you want to submit the notices. And really it's submitting them for everything. Even if you don't think it's a valid claim, submit it anyway. And also with EOT, you're building that paperwork for the final quarter, right? So you can squeaky bum time for squeaky bum. So you can turn around and go, all right, guys, you're you're trying to tell me you're going to hit me with liquidated damages, and I've submitted forty notices of delay. Really, you have some leverage, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, look at look at this file of facts of information I've got when we're coming down for that squeaky bum time conversation. You're not. You, you've done what you needed to do. I'm not going to speak And so you, it. you're actually, you're doing two things. One is you're building a nice bit of reputation for like, oh, these guys keep mitigating stuff. Like they're just taking so much on the chin it's because true. so many subcontractors do that quietly, which is nice. Like the, yeah. that's, a, that's, that's a nice way to do. Like if you, if you met a person, a human that quietly got on with stuff, even though it was an impact to themselves, you'd be like, that's a really good human. But in this yeah. in this game, you get taken advantage of, and you, you just need got to tell everyone I'm a good guy. 
exactly you gotta say hi they still wouldn't believe me kian i know (laughs) so you (laughs) you got to submit it all at the time and then you got to you the one of the main things is with eot's it's better to get and this is this is contrary to most uh, other things it's better to get a a bad document in than a per than waiting to get a perfect document in because you can always revise a bad document uh, but you if you're late then you're late and you, you haven't complied with the contract I was always advised that when it comes to EOT, there's a couple of things I was always advised. Like, you're never going to make profit from it. It's not a money-making endeavor. It's a cost recovery endeavor. Mm-hmm. Like, It's almost like slapping in a stupid claim, expecting to make profit on it is, is not really the art of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So number one, go into it with that mentality. You want to get your money back to reset you to the same position that you were. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that separating your claim for time from your claim for money was always good practice. That's how I was always advised in that you would say, look, I want to agree that we're 10 weeks late and eventually get to the point where they say, okay, yeah, your extension of time is not, you don't finish on the 31st of December, you finish on, I don't know, the 10th of March or whatever 10 weeks would be. That's agreed. And then separately you would say, okay, now the impact of me finishing those 10 weeks late is £100,000. I want to be paid for that. Talk to me about that and what your view is. You look like a man who is filled with scepticism. He's going to destroy me now. <laughs> yeah. So I don't see the benefit of that, to be honest. Okay. Because it's a tricky conversation. And do you really want to have that conversation twice? Twice, yeah. Um, and so it's, I don't know, if we, we have, say you're trying to get someone on a sales call for your business. Trying to get them on two sales calls is infinitely harder. Yeah. Okay. And then also, if you're just going to talk about it once, you might as well talk about the costs and just get it wrapped up. So you, it's, it's the elephant so, in the room, otherwise, it's, I guess. It's, and it's just instead of thinking of it as EOTs and a, a scope of work. So you could have, sorry, a, a change order. You could ha- you could end up uh, having a change order. The numbering of the matters will get confusing because you have <laughs> EOT four and then you have variation seven for EOT4. And then that really yeah. gets confusing. But if you just have EOT4 that has the cost in it, it's just a matter. We, we're just, we're getting rid of that matter. It's done and dusted. And so a lot of these, th- a lot of these issues end up at their, their ends. If you play them all the way out, <clears throat> end up with a senior management sitting at the table going, right, what about that one? What about that one? Okay, right, well, we'll let's agree to whatever and we'll knock 5% off and let's just get them done, right? Yeah. So if you can prepare for that thing to happen to make it easy, well, then you're you're putting yourself in a better stead. Yeah, 100%. And what about the recovery of cost versus making profit out of it? What's your thought on that? You are only entitled to damages. Yeah. You're not entitled to loss of profit. Um, and so... It depends on how you're going to skin your cat. Most people will still just put it in rates, though, won't they? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's for their QS to catch, is my view. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. You would, it's, that's the trouble, isn't it? It gets really tedious when you put in your rates and they say, no, prove your costs. And then you kind of you basically open, down, and then they go, no, open your books. Your yeah, oh, so, show me, open your books. Yeah. And, then you, and then you open the books and you're like, oh, so you applied a 20%, 5% margin on this? Oh, that's absurd. And then, you, yeah. it's, you know, it's 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 uh, it goes downhill quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's incredibly, it's one of the most difficult parts of the puzzle isn't it eot's and, and claim for claim and claim for delay well i think um you know we are kind of at the end of the show i believe that we should probably start 
talking more regularly about lots of different topics because there's such an interesting perspective that you have and i would i i have a construction commercial contractual podcast but i very much encourage absolutely everyone to go and check out yours because having listened to it myself it triggered a lot of the conversation that we're having today just tell the listeners where where they can find you um and i'll put it in the podcast description as well so just just search construction secrets uh you'll find it on on all the podcast place if you prefer to see me in front of you, maybe the uh, you want to see him, guys. Honestly, <laughs> see you with, with with your eyeballs and some and some bad graphics. Um, it's on YouTube <laughs> as well. Um, so, but look, all, all it is is basically going through issues that pop up on construction sites. So, if you just listen to episode one to ten, uh, sorry, one one to one to hundred and whatever we're at. At the end of that, you'll be pretty switched on contractually. I promise. Yeah, and they're quite short form, aren't they? In terms of like duration, it's yeah. it's snappy, isn't it? It's really digestible content. And so, what what I like to do? Let's let's just say, for example, a recent one is um, acceleration, right? So I got off a, a a client call. I was like, ah, this is this is a great thing, right? So I'm going to record yeah, yeah. a podcast on this. So what happened in this scenario was acceleration. So he was asked to accelerate the work. So he accelerated the work and then went to submit his his variation for accelerating the work. And they're like, what do you mean? We're not paying that. You were late. That's why we asked you to accelerate. And so we're not paying for it. And so he was like, no, I was like, anyway, that was the argument, right? So the learning from that is if someone ever asks <laughs> you to accelerate the work, you have to be clear. Why? They, why? <laughs> Why are you asking yeah. me to accelerate? Do you think I'm late and therefore you're getting me to buy, put on extra equipment? In which case or you don't have you to, late. <laughs> or are you late and you're trying to speed stuff up, in which case you have to pay me. So you want to because before in you, that example, yeah, he'd he'd spent his five hundred grand, not exactly. five hundred grand, but he'd spent yeah. his money and then he was the one who was shouting that's say, it. I need to recover it. These are the kind of nuggets that I know that everyone would get great value out of uh, listening to. What I would say is Yes, I don't have as nice accent as uh, Kian, but re- there's room for two commercially minded podcasts. So for sure, uh, for sure. All, absolutely. <laughs> all jokes aside, it's been absolutely cracking having you on the show. Really enjoyed it. I'll put your details in the description, and um, yeah, perhaps we do this again, and I will speak to you soon, mate. Absolutely love to, Paul. Nice, nice to chat. Cheers, mate. Take it easy.